Hello and welcome to the Forest Lakes District EFCA podcast. Our focus here is to connect, equip, and multiply churches with a vision to glorify God by multiplying transformational churches amongst all people. In this episode, we'll hear from Carlton Harris, who's the Vice President of National Ministries for the EFCA. He addresses how today many ministry leaders feel isolated and encourages us to take steps towards more authentic relationships. I have some more photos to show you. This is show and tell. So as I scroll through these photos, uh, see if you can decide how these three photos are connected. First photo is of three women. By the way, I don't know them. Okay. I'm not a creeper. I just, but I don't know these women. The second photo, recognize those guys? (laughs) Easy now. I am from St. Louis, full disclosure. (laughs) Cardinal Nation, calm now, calm. Uh, The third photo is of four men. By the way, I don't know them either, just just so that you know. But by the time I finish, you will know how these photos are related. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And we're going to look at two verses. Verses 34 and 35, so take a moment, find your place on your Bible app, in your Bible, John 13, 34 and 35. I won't project it, but we will read it, and uh, in honor of the Word of God, if you're able, if you'd stand as I read uh, these two verses to us, Uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, when these words were spoken, uh, it was the spring of the year many, many, many nights ago. And Jesus, who speaks these words, is going to die in some 24 hours. Now, Jesus is not living in isolation. And so he gathers around him his 12 closest friends, his disciples, his apprentices. And what is the occasion for this gathering? Well, it's his last meal on earth. In John 13, as Jesus is eating between bites, he's having his final a heart-to-heart conversation with his disciples. And so this group of 12 is, is definitely not a group where everyone is the same. Reclining around the dinner table with Jesus are some fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot. Any zealots here? A few sons of thunder. Any sons of thunder here? A doubter. Any doubters here? A deceiver. Just to be clear, uh, The 12 disciples do not always get along. Uh, Their relationships get messy. Remember the argument over which of them is the biggest, the baddest, the greatest, the best. None of them appear to have any ambition for being last or being least in line. And so every night as Jesus unrolls his sleeping bag right in the middle of Matthew, a tax collector, Peter, the man with the foot-shaped mouth, Jesus 
starts his last meal here, his farewell speech here in John 13, right after his disciples have an argument over status. The entire goodbye conversation here is recorded for us in our Bibles in John chapters 13 through 17. And in this passage, Jesus offers his final instructions to those of us who believe in him and who will carry on his work when the world no longer sees him. So the point of the final teaching of Jesus is simply this. Christianity is about relationship, not religion. Christianity is about relationship, not religion. And you know, when people are about to die, people don't usually waste words right before they die. So we do well to listen carefully to these final words of Jesus. Jesus has no Harry Houdini option to escape sacrificing his life. And so like a dying father who can now instruct his little children as he refers to his disciples in verse 33, he gives us some words of counsel. Jesus offers a timestamp in verse 33. He says he will be leaving very soon. And his disciples will not be able to come with him. And now in verses 34 and 35, which we just read together, uh, we come to the sentences that are at the heart of our conversation today. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Is this commandment to love one another really a new commandment? Didn't the Apostle Paul write this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14? For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now love, love can be a very ambiguous word. A mother loves her children. A grandmother, like my wife, I showed you the photo, loves her granddaughter. A husband loves his wife. We love our German shepherds. We love our Green Bay Packers. We love our cheese curds. We love the fall leaves. We can't possibly mean the same thing every time we use the word love. The word for love, as most of you know, is agape, an uncommon word in the ancient world. It seems that the biblical writers seized this unfamiliar word in order to infuse it with new meaning. In the Bible, agape is a love that is acting in someone else's best interest instead of their own interest. It's their best interest unconditionally no matter who they are, and willfully, no matter how you feel, and sacrificially, no matter what it costs you. The concept of love is old, but Jesus gives a new standard for love. Uh, you can see it in your Bibles in the middle of verse 34. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. 
the way that Jesus loves is the new standard. The law of Moses, in, that, in the law of Moses, the standard was uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now there is a newer and higher standard where Jesus says, now as I have loved you, love one another. This new commandment is, is fresh rather than different. Love for one another will mark this community of disciples who have gathered in this upper room the night before Jesus dies. Now, earlier in chapter 13, Jesus acted out this definition of love by humbly washing the disciples' dirty, smelly feet. And in a few hours, Jesus will provide the ultimate example of love when he voluntarily offers up his life simply because he loves us. And this love that Jesus commands for us to have for one another involves self-sacrifice. It involves giving ourselves away. Uh, This love involves you and I not living just for ourselves and our comfort and our convenience, but living for each other. Think about this. Where would you and I be without the love of Jesus? Where would we be? When we consider where we would be without the love of Jesus, it moves us to take our minds off of ourselves and what we want and to see other people in need of the love of Jesus. That's why we gather together at gatherings like this as a movement, because we seek to glorify God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. The Arabic people, as we've just seen, the Spanish people, speaking people as we just heard, all people. Now, remember what I said earlier. Jesus is not living in isolation. So on this night, he's surrounded by what I'll call his people, his remaining 11 disciples. And so I must ask, do you have some people? It's crystal clear to me that doing life with other Christians is not some non-essential Christian teaching, but it is absolutely necessary for the outworking of God's purpose in the world. We need each other. We need some people. How can we love each other just as Jesus has loved us? If we're going to live this out, what does it look like? I submit to you by studying two simple phrases that appear over and over and over and over and over in the New Testament, we can more deeply grasp how to do life with one another. Two simple phrases. Each other, one another. They speak to interpersonal relationships between followers of Christ. And did you know that there are almost 60 of these one another commands in the New Testament. And each command expresses a, just a different aspect of Jesus' command to love one another. Uh, here are a few examples of how we can love our people. Uh, Romans 12.10, honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. That would be a good word for the last couple of years, wouldn't it? Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you. 
1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. John Payne read that verse to us this morning. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Hebrews 13.1, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. You get the idea. These passages imply behaviors, not just attitudes. The one another's paint a picture of what life looks like when we obey the command of Jesus to love one another. Now let's flip the coin for a moment and think about some other one another's that are not in the Bible. Pressure one another. Shame one another, interrupt one another, exclude one another, judge one another, humble one another, confess one another's sins. Have you ever had anyone confess your sins? Marginalize one another, make fun of one another, ignore one another, and my favorite, attribute motive to one another. I submit to you after my years as a pastor, I think one of the most challenging aspects of being a pastor is to have someone ascribe motive to you and tell you they know why you did what you do because so often you don't even know why you did what you do. <laughs> God made us for deep relational connection, and Jesus modeled deep relational connection for us. Not only that, Jesus commands us to deeply connect with one another. Now, remember the three photos that we saw earlier? Those were photos of people with their people. Those three young ladies, they were with their people. Those three St. Louis Cardinals, a very symbolic act. Adam Wainwright finishes his final, well, we think it's his final game. He finishes his last game of the season, and it is the final game for Pujols and Molina, and the manager has them all walk off at the same time. Those guys from that movie, some of you know the movie, Tombstone, you know what they're going to do as, they, as they're taking their walk. They're going to go do battle together. Those are photos of people with their people. Now let me show you three very young men, this photo that's going up now. See the guy in the blue shirt? That was me before I was weathered by the trials and temptations of pastoring. <laughs> it was earlier in my career. And uh, now look at these seasoned older men. The result of the fall. Creation is groaning. <laughs> so, John wanted me to share this with you, and uh, I don't mind sharing it. Um, these are three of my best friends in the world, and we've known each other since 1979, 
Some of you weren't even born then. 1980 and 1993. Between us, we have 151 years of senior pastor experience. All of us continue to serve today in full-time vocational ministry, two as pastors and two in other ministries. They are my people and provide a rich opportunity for me to follow and obey the command of Jesus. So 29 years ago, a man who's not in this photo convened us as well as one other brother, and we started meeting together at least twice each year for four intense days, 29 years ago. We've never lived in the same city. We now live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Frankenmuth, Michigan, the Twin Cities, and in Denver, Colorado. So we have regular contact via phone calls and emails and texting and video chatting. And over the years, we have advised each other on our parenting. I was struggling with one of my teenagers when she was in high school, and I did not know what to do. And I called these brothers and said, I need you to meet me in Toledo tomorrow for us to have lunch. I need help. I need advice. And they all met me. We've advised each other on our marriages. Sometimes one of our wives will say to one of us, I need a pastor. <laughs> and, my, and each one of us has experienced it in multiple ways. We've celebrated our joyful milestones, been to each other's kids' weddings. We started our twice-a-year retreats. When we started them, our 11 kids were in elementary school or preschool. Now the four of us are all grandfathers with 22 grandkids. We used to play basketball against each other for exercise. Don't laugh now. Now we play shuffleboard. <laughs> it's a little easier on the joints in the back. One of my friends, the one standing next to me in the middle, is currently at home recovering from quadruple bypass surgery a week and a half ago. He was a star soccer player at Spring Arbor. Good basketball player, been a good athlete his whole life. But he had bypass surgery. And so we all connected on Zoom before the surgery to pray and to reminisce. And we promised his wife that if she needs us, let us know and we will come immediately. 29 years is a long time as a group. Why have we stayed connected for so long? I'll tell you why, this quote. What if there were a place where the worst of me could be known, and instead of being loved less in the telling of it, I would discover that I was loved more? What would happen among a dozen beautiful outcomes, I would discover that my unresolved hidden issues were becoming healed. 
That's why I stay with these brothers. My friendships, my friendships with these three men is that place for me. They know my joys, they know my temptations, they know my struggles, they know my favorites, my favorite potato chips, my favorite ice cream, my favorite sports teams, my favorite Bible character, my favorite sermon series I've preached. They know my gifts. They know what I'm gifted to do. They know what I'm not gifted to do. They know my fears. They know my concerns. God has used them to heal my shame because vulnerability met by love heals shame. We've experienced awkward and uncomfortable times together. There have been times when we've been in conflict and I thought this good thing's about to blow up. But it hasn't. This is the kind of connection that comes only with time, and I call this the gift of long-term friendship. Now, brothers and sisters, you and I all know ministry can be lonely. And the last couple of years have been unbelievable. I pastored until 13 months ago, I know. I've lost friends, people I thought were friends. Ministry can be lonely. So may I encourage you to make space for life-giving friendships. Why is that? Because you and I were not made to travel alone in life. We all need to travel with other Christians. Don't travel alone. Find your people and travel with them. Because I'm here to tell you, I would not have survived without my friends. Are you connected to friends you can call upon when life gets difficult? Who can you reach out to if you find yourself trapped or confused or hurting? And if you you have no one, think of a few people with whom you could potentially build a life-giving relationship with and pray about it and take a risk and pursue them. Doesn't matter how long you've been in ministry, doesn't matter how old you are, you can do it. And for those of you, my younger brothers and sisters, may I strongly encourage you now now do it so that you can enjoy the, the delight and the joys and the struggles of a long-term ministry and finish well and finish strong, not alone. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus did not live his life in isolation. Let's not try to live our lives in isolation. Let's not try to do life 
and ministry alone. We need some people with us. We need each other. Would you please bow with me? Oh, great God, um, thank you for loving us as our good, good Heavenly Father. And one of the great gifts you've given us is the gift of Christian brotherhood and sisterhood. May we be conduits of your love for others through our relationships with them. And so we pray that all of us, every one of us in this room, that you would make provision for us to find life-giving relationships that might be a source of encouragement to us. And I pray for everyone in this room, anyone here who lacks that now, would you please soon open doors of relationship for them because we were not meant to travel alone. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Forest Lakes District Podcast. If you want more content like this, be sure to like and subscribe. You can also visit our website at www.forestlakes-efca.org.